Exodus 18, the passage that Pastor Stephen will be preaching on, page 72. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and the father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become an alien in a foreign land. And the other was named Eleazar, for he said, My father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the desert where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other, and they went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and about all the hardships that they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord, who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, For he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and the laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple ones they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain. And all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel 
and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have spent so much time, so many hours, hearing so many messages, and the time that we have here together this morning does not even add up to 1% of our week, and yet it has the greatest impact on us. So Father, we pray that you would speak truth into our hearts, some of which are weary or confused, some of which are full of joy. So Lord, add joy to those who are joyful and bring hope to those who are hurting. And Lord, speak truth into our lives so that we can serve you this week with wisdom. Be with Pastor Stephen as he comes. Fill this place with your spirit and your truth. Amen. Well, good morning. It's nice to see you all today. I know on a fall Sunday such as this, where... It's rainy, and so many things compete for our attention on the weekend. Uh, Last week, for instance, Amanda and I uh, were up in New Hampshire, in Hanover, New Hampshire, uh, just briefly for a wedding uh, that we were attending, and we were uh, checking into the hotel, and uh, there was also Dartmouth College Class of 1966 reunion uh, was also, uh, I guess they had a block of rooms there as well, and it kind of struck me that there's a lot of things that compete for our attention on weekends, particularly in the fall. And so I'm sitting there, and all these people are rushing into the hotel, and I'm just observing people and everything. And eventually, I get to the front desk uh, to check us in, and we had made our reservation and everything. And the sweet girl working the front desk says, oh, uh, we don't have a room for you. Uh, We we see your reservation, but your room, uh, it's not quite ready yet. A lot of people have been checking in and everything, and, and you'll just have to give us an hour or two. And I thought to myself, oh, well, we need to change clothes and get to this wedding rehearsal in 30 minutes. Um, what do we do? <laughs> so then my, my joy at general merriment of people enjoying catching up with one another was struck by, what are you doing, Courtyard? Uh, I shouldn't have said their name. Um, uh, just a little preaching cue there. Normally don't air out businesses that do, uh, do things not right uh, before a whole congregation. Uh, but anyway, it struck me, well, okay, um, not having a room at the inn. That's good company, uh, so we can, we can roll with this. Uh, but So I, I see all of this reunion, I see all the smiles on everybody's faces, and I, I was actually thinking about, my friends and I, all, as I'm watching Dartmouth College, class of 66, I'm, I'm thinking about all my friends I went to college with, and thinking about the laughs we share, and, and the joys we have, and it got me to thinking about reunions. Reunions oftentimes uh, bring us great joy. They oftentimes bring us excitement. We look forward to seeing people that we haven't seen in, in years. And yeah, we maybe can keep up on Facebook or email or things like that, but it's good, it's good being with them. But I wonder if class reunions or college reunions are a little different than family reunions. They're a different animal in and of themselves. Some of you are already perhaps preparing yourself psychologically and spiritually for the holidays. Yes, Thanksgiving is next month, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with my crazy family when I see them soon? And 
we have just recovered from an election and things like this that can bring all sorts of great conversation around the table. So you think about family reunions and where we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 18. It's funny that Israel has crossed the Red Sea previously. As we've seen in the last few weeks, they're in the wilderness. They've had God provide manna from heaven, give them water from a rock, and then they had to fend off the attacking Amalekites in the chapter we saw last week. And now in Exodus 18, as the story crescendos and goes higher and higher in the wilderness, we get a family reunion. You kind of say, what's going on here? In this passage, we see Moses talking with his father-in-law about being worn out. Moses, the one who, who, is, who is called out before God and seen the Red Sea parted and God has provided manna from heaven and, and all of this. Now he is worn out mediating disputes in Israelite small claims court. He's gone from seeing great miracles worked to being asked to judge when one guy steals another guy's goat and things like that. So what is happening in Exodus chapter 18 with this family reunion? Well, what I would submit before you is that we actually see the kindness of God to his people in Moses and Jethro and in this reunion. We're going to see today the grace of God for Jethro, and we're also going to see his grace for Moses and for Israel. And we're going to see this kind of in two ways today in Exodus 18. First, we're going to see Jethro's confession at the uh, first part, first half of the chapter. We're going to see this confession of Jethro, and then we're going to see Jethro's counsel. Jethro's counsel as he speaks into Moses and, 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 and is a means through which God gives grace to his people. And so think of it like this. We're going to see as God cares for his people, we're going to see them receiving grace, and we're going to see them giving grace, and grace of God just flowing through the people of God and all brought about by a family reunion. So first, Jethro's confession. Jethro's confession. Jethro receiving grace. Verse 1 tells us that Jethro was two things. He was a priest of Midian, and he was also Moses' father-in-law. Just a little background on the Midianites. They were a people that historically waged war against the Israelites. They were enemies of the Israelites in many instances. But right now, it actually appears that the Israelites and the Midianites, uh, they were on good terms. Things were all hunky-dory between them. And we, we have no indication of any hostility between them in this part of Scripture. And so, kind of what's happening here with Jethro and uh, Zipporah, his daughter, Moses' wife, and the kids coming back, what's going on here? Uh, most likely, uh, Moses sent uh, Zipporah, his wife, and their kids back to her family as things were kind of ratcheting up in Egypt. As things were getting crazy there with Moses going before Pharaoh and, and plagues happening and things like that. And he said, hey, let's rendezvous when we get out of Egypt. And so uh, Jethro has kept his ear to the ground and he's heard this news uh, as, as, uh, as, as Israel and, and God's grace to her has been proclaimed and, and now he's bringing them back to rendezvous with Moses and the Israelites. And so now they, they, they arrive here and, and uh, the, the family has come back. They've heard all about God's powerful work on behalf of the Israelites. And now read with me in verses 5 and 6. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness, where he was camped near the mountain of God. And Jethro had sent word to him, 
I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. But now read on with me and see Moses' posture towards Jethro as he travels to meet him in verse 7. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they greeted each other and then went into the tent. And Moses, this, so think about this with me. Moses, this, this mighty leader of Israel, showed genuine humility and concern and care for Jethro. And then he invited him into his tent to share with him all that the Lord had done. Not only is this wise counsel for us in our dealings with family or with in-laws, but this is also a good posture to take towards non-Christians in our own lives. Moses didn't get caught up in airing out grievances about past issues between the Midianites and the Israelites. He didn't rehash old family matters that that maybe old times of conflict with his father-in-law and himself, or he didn't argue about current events and and things that were going on uh, uh, in their world at that time. But no, he invited Jethro in, and he practiced hospitality towards Jethro, towards his father-in-law. And then what did he do? After he shows him this hospitality, he invites him in. He told Jethro all about what the Lord had done. Look at verse 8. Moses told his father-in-law about everything that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro had previously heard this news. He, he even saw a little of it in, in maybe in the names of his grandsons that you see referenced in, in verses 3 and 4. Moses had named them in accord with the work of the Lord. One was named Gershom, which means a sojourner or an alien in the land. And the other was named Eleazar, which means my God is my help. These were good biblical names for Exodus chapter 18. And now Jethro comes to Moses having brought Moses' family back to him, and he wants the more detailed play-by-play. He says, Moses, I've heard all this news. Now tell me, give me the eyewitness account directly from you about all that the Lord has done. You know, as we think about non-Christians in our lives, or non-Christian even family members in our lives, uh, maybe, maybe they, know, they, they know kind of some things about Christianity. They know things if even only because of holidays and things like that. Christmas, okay, the birth of Jesus. Easter, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And so they kind of know things from holidays, from cultural norms, from the calendar. But, but what they need is someone to tell them how these realities have actually impacted and transformed them. They need a Moses. And maybe some of you here, as, as we've walked through this series in Exodus, maybe, maybe some of you have thought to yourself, I really, really wish I was like Moses. I wish I had faith like Moses. Or maybe if we're honest, you have a neighbor that, that you say, I really, really wish I could bring a plague upon that neighbor. They could use a plague of locusts for a weekend. Just a weekend. Or something like that. Or maybe, maybe you wish you had this big, bold, powerful, courageous faith like Moses where, uh, where you, could, you could part a Red Sea. I, I was out at the uh, Situate Lighthouse a, a couple of weeks ago. And I was kind of standing out there with the Atlantic Ocean at my back. And, and the harbor, Situate Harbor, in front of me. And I was kind of thinking to myself, I was thinking on Exodus, and I was thinking on Moses, and I was like, okay, it's not an ocean, it's just a little harbor. Let's see what we can do. And so I kind of started, I kind of started to, 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 to bring my arms up in the air, and I was, I was feeling like really, really like spiritual at that time. And I start to bring my arms up in the air, and, and guess what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing happened. And I thought to myself, okay, well... Lord, you, you work in your 
unique ways and at unique times. But then it struck me in thinking about this passage, maybe the way that I and the way that we could be like Moses is by showing hospitality to the non-believers around us, and sharing the gospel with a family member, a co-worker, someone that we know needs to hear of the grace of God in Christ. And maybe that's the way that the Lord would grow our faith. Maybe that's the way the Lord would grow your trust in Him. If we're honest, we don't know all of the past of Moses and Jethro. But I imagine there was some past. And sometimes the hard thing with family is that there's background. There's grudges. There's past transgressions. Skeletons in the closet. So much other just stuff. Our lives can be messy. Our families can be messy. I've joked, I've kind of kept it lighthearted a little in talking about family and all of this, but I know that some of us, our families, really do produce anxiety within us. They produce hardship. They produce grief. And if anything, only because of the messiness and the ugliness of sin that is just all over the place. But maybe if we took a page from Moses... And we kind of remember to the work of the Lord and Moses early in the book of Exodus. And we saw that, okay, this is a guy who he had his own past too. And his family had their own trials. And their own hardships. But Moses simply welcomed Jethro into his place. He showed him hospitality and he told him all that the Lord had done. And look at, I love verse 8. Look at it with me. Moses told his father-in-law about everything that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. If you look at, keep your eyes on that verse, on verse 8, and, and you know what's also encouraging to me about what we see here. Moses didn't sugarcoat things. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't hide things. He didn't say, hey, God did this great work in us and now everything's hunky-dory. No, he, 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 he told him about all the hardships that they had faced along the way. Dear saint, who's praying for and trying to share the hope of the gospel with a family member, God delights in drawing people to Himself. And He delights in using our feeble words and He delights in using our testimonies of His grace to give new life to people who are far from Him. And to be honest, He even uses our sins of the past, our scars, our embarrassments, our frayed, damaged relationships to draw people from far and wide into His family as we tell of the grace of God and the healing that we have found in Him. And so faithful brother or sister sharing the Gospel with a loved one. Read on with me in verses 9-11 through 11 and be encouraged. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the other gods, for He did, those, did, did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. So keep your finger right here, and can we bounce back to Exodus chapter 9? 
Keep your finger right here in this passage, but bounce back to Exodus chapter 9, just a few pages, uh, in verse 16. And remember and think upon these words of Jethro, now this priest of Midian, of the Midianites, I know the Lord is greater than all the other gods. And look and read verse nine, chapter 9, verse 16 with me. In the midst of the plagues and the heat really getting ratcheted up in Egypt, the Lord told Moses in chapter 9, verse 16, He said, but for this purpose I have raised you up, to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. And then we look back at these, if you turn right back to our, ver- our passage today, he, God raised up Moses so that his name could be proclaimed in all the earth. And then verse 11 today, now I know, this is Jethro speaking, I know that the Lord is greater than all the other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Jethro is saying that the God of Israel triumphed over Egypt and her false gods. He has heard this and now he worships this God. The Lord uses the testimonies of His people to accomplish His purposes for the glory of His name in drawing people to Himself. And so brother and sister, take hope in this promised hand of God as you simply share of the work of God in your life with your unbelieving spouse, with your unbelieving child, with your unbelieving parent, with your unbelieving sibling. Take hope in the kindness of God who uses the testimonies of His people. So let's switch over from sharing to receiving or hearing. We've gone from Moseses who are sharing. All of us want to be Moseses. But undoubtedly, in a room this size with this many people, we have a few Jethros in here. We have a few Jethros. Perhaps you're here today and you're not yet a Christian. In fact, maybe family relationship is a little fractured today because somebody in your family dragged you here in the rain and early in the morning to come here. Maybe as you think about your family, you think about your particular the, the, the dynamics in your house, maybe you're the bad apple in your family and you feel as if you don't quite measure up to this whole religion thing and God thing and all of that. Or maybe conversely, you feel like you're the good apple. And you don't need Christianity. You don't need religion. You don't need extra help. You've got it figured out. You've got everything under control. Wherever you are, or wherever you diagnose yourself as today, perhaps you've heard this Christianity story before in some form or fashion. The life and death of Jesus. Resurrection. My sins paid for by Him. Maybe you've seen something that's happened in a family member, and to be honest, it's kind of weird. You remember the family member you grew up with or you've known for so long, and now they've started to get really passionate about church and about the Bible and meeting with other Christians, and this is kind of weirding you out. Maybe, like Jethro, you need these dots to connect today. You might be in that position where during worship you kind of sit there or stand there politely kind of humming along and you kind of hum, oh, mm -hmm, this Christ, but it's not really anything of great power or great significance to you. And you need this heart work of God like we see in Jethro where you look in faith upon Christ. Where these stories and these things that you know, that that you're aware of, they, they start to take root in you. 
It starts to take root in you that this perfect, uh, that this Christ and, and, and His righteousness can be credited to you so that you are perfectly holy and righteous before God because of Christ. And this needs to start taking root. And, and you need to start to see, maybe, maybe something needs to start to connect where you look and you see Christ and you see His cross and you see His death for your sin and you see his, Him receiving the judgment for your sin that rests upon you. And you see that, wait, this has been paid? This has been atoned for in Him? And then you start to see and you start to consider this new life that He gives. And the promise of, 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 of eternal life. And, and, and He changes passions. He changes lives. And you see it in this family member. And something begins to flicker. And you start to say as a modern day Jethro in seeing the worship of the saints and hearing the testimony of, of, your, of, of your family member who's a believer and gathering here today, you start to see, uh, now I know that the Lord is God. And you go from humming, uh, all I have is Christ, to belting out with a redeemed heart, all I have is Christ, I see. And then you start to, this is what's happened. And you start to say, oh my goodness, what is the Lord doing in me? And you recognize whether a good apple or a bad apple, far from God, close to God, first time in the room, 20 years here being brought here. And you start to see that we are recipients of God's grace, joyfully proclaiming. And you join the saints in saying, now I know that the Lord is greater than all the other gods. And you praise His name. Oh, look in faith upon Him. Look in faith upon Him and look at what Jethro continues to do as we follow along in this passage. Jethro signifies this confession in verse 12. He made sacrifice to God. They brought a burnt offering and he shared a meal with the people of God. Conversion to Christ means covenant with His people. What great grace that He draws us to Himself and He welcomes us into a new family of faith. How beautiful it is when the people of God are covenanted together in faith in this great God and in love toward one another. And, and, and Jethro's from all over the place are being brought in as ones who have looked in faith upon Christ and have covenanted together with His people. So that is the confession, the conversion of Jethro. Jethro receiving grace. And I pray that we all in here would be recipients of this grace. Transitioning on, just like our own families can have struggles and can have seasons of hardship, the family of God can have our own hardships. But God gives grace to His people, not only in drawing them to Himself like Jethro, but in caring for them, as we see in Exodus 18. Let's see the grace of God through Jethro now as He gives counsel to Moses and God uses Jethro to give grace to His people. And let's consider how we can not only be receivers of God's grace, but how we also, each of us as followers of Christ, can be givers of grace within the family of God. So read on with me in verse 13. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning until evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Hit pause here for a second. I love that Jethro hears this. They have this family reunion the day and night before, and then Moses goes back to work the next day. And I love that Jethro hears about this and says, read on with me now in verses 17 and 18. 
what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will, will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. You have to appreciate the good care of God for Moses is seen in the frank counsel of his father-in-law here. And But look at poor Moses. Consider poor Moses as we've read. All these people, they have these issues, they have problems, and they all come to him day by day by day, hours and hours and hours on end. And as a good friend of mine pointed out about this passage, to the people of Israel in the wilderness as they're walking through this season, Moses is like the policeman, the lawyer, the judge, the registry of motor vehicles, the theologian and pastor all in one. And it is killing him. It is killing him. And look at what Jethro points out here. He says that Moses and the people who come to him for help are going to be worn out. He doesn't say just Moses is going to be worn out. He points out that this is not good for the people of Israel as well. And you know the Israelites, they're at this point in the wilderness where where everything's kind of going haywire. Everyone's a little frantic. They're kind of on the back end of this journey. And I wonder if Moses and the Israelites are in this position like the last hour or two of a long road trip. Uh, Parents, you might be able to speak to this like long road trip where the kids have all been buckled in all day long and it's like an hour or two left and they're throwing things at each other they're they're eating things you didn't know you had in the car all this stuff and you're just you just you mom in a, in a in a fit of holy anger turns around and screams at them hands to yourself don't touch one another don't talk to one another don't look at one another just be quiet i wonder if that's what's happening with israel here They've been through a ton of stuff. They're bickering. They're squabbling. They're angry with one another. They're they're, they're doing all these things, and poor Moses is just having to deal with it. And here's the thing that Jethro points out to Moses. Overextended, exhausted leadership does not just hurt those like Moses in leadership. It hurts the people too. Verse 18, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. So what's the solution for Moses and for Israel? We'll read on in verse 19. Jethro says, listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people Men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. So Jethro says, Moses, you need help. You need help. And help for Moses is grace to God's people. They need under-shepherds to help care for and to shepherd them. Jethro suggests that Moses continue to be their representative before God, and he must be their teacher to teach them the words and the law of God. But Moses should select men to help him to shepherd the people in the day-by-day in the life of, of the people of God. And as I was reading and as I was studying this passage, it struck me that you have a people who are in the midst of a big transition. They're uncertain of what the future holds. You you have them a little short-staffed with leadership. And it struck me, I'm not thinking of Israel in Exodus 18. I'm thinking of us today. And what does Jethro say that the people and Moses need? And what do we as a people need? They need their elders. Brothers, 
who serve as elders in this body. The greatest manner in which you can serve this sweet church family is to pursue the congregation with love and tender pastoral care. As Peter wrote to elders in 1 Peter 5, amidst their own hard seasons and difficult times, he wrote to them and encouraged them to do the following, to shepherd the flock, to watch over them, to be eager to serve them, being an example to the flock, and simply caring for the flock until the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears. Brothers, as ones who have received grace as former Jethro's, let's give grace to the flock, talking with, praying for, and simply pointing our church family to Jesus and his word. Brothers and church family as a whole, look with me at this incredible reality in the text. These elders in Israel were helping to judge and they were helping to keep order amongst the people. And they would take the people, the, the, the really hard cases to Moses when they needed help. But brothers, elders, we don't take our congregation or the people uh, or, uh, under our elder care uh, to, to a Moses, but we actually take them to one greater than Moses. We don't take them to one who is going to get tired and worn out, but we take them to the one who we know in Christ cares for and loves His church. As we prayerfully wait for a senior pastor, church family, as we wait, we aren't looking for, we aren't waiting for a Moses to come in and solve all of our problems. I love, in fact, I love that we don't have the names of these under-shepherds in Exodus 18. We don't have the names of them. Church family, I urge you, pray that your elders, your pastors, your next senior pastor, they'll simply be good shepherds who point us all to the church's ultimate senior pastor, Jesus. And they'll do this through the Word, through prayer, and through sweet, tender shepherding towards the body. Out of love, knowing the grace that we have all received as former Jethro's. And read on with me in verses 24 to 26. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything that he said. He chose capable men from all over Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, and fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. The Lord gave grace to Jethro, and then the Lord gave grace through Jethro to Moses and to Israel, and they blessed God's people as grace just flowed through the people. Through Jethro, and then through Moses, and then through those who were who were brought forward to help serve the body. And here's something I want us all to understand. As the Israelites walked through their wilderness season, the Lord was preparing them for what lay ahead. In the episode with Him providing food and water, they had to come to know the Lord as the one who would faithfully provide for their every need. In His protection from the Amalekites, the Israelites had to know that this God would be their protector. And now in this leadership crisis that they are enduring, the Lord was preparing them to be led and cared for and shepherded as they would soon receive His law and would take the next steps as His people. So as we walk through the wilderness, or maybe as you or your family is going through a wilderness season yourself, job loss, job transition, confusion about what the Lord is doing in your life, Take this time in your wilderness. Take this time in our wilderness, not as something to rush through or pray that it would, Lord, Lord, end it, end it, end it, end it. 
but pray that the Lord would use it as an opportunity to see the precious care that He gives to you more clearly and more beautifully. And brothers and church and and all of us here, do not ignore this reality. The Lord is intentional in His care and in His teaching of His people in wilderness seasons. We see this all over the wilderness in Exodus and we see this today where we are as well. Church family, as we're in this car ride where nerves are frayed, where, where, where maybe a few of us are a little tense, we're a little, 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 little crazy, come November 14th, in a matter of seven months, you will have said goodbye to three pastors who have served you with over 40 years of pastoral shepherding in this church body alone. In addition to this, we as a church are walking through transitional seasons in children's ministry and elsewhere in our admin staff and with volunteers in the church. Let's trust that the Lord is showing us His glory during this season. Let's trust that He is refining us more and more and more to see that He alone is our hope and to see that He alone is our confidence during this season. And if anything, from the last few weeks in Exodus, we can take great care and great joy knowing that He loves and He uh, intimately, precisely cares for His people. Even Even if numbers are down or attendance is a little shaky, it's okay. The Lord who cares for His church when we're exceeding budget is the same Lord who cares for His church if we're under budget. The Lord who cares for His church when this room is bursting at the gills is the same Lord who cares for His church if there were 30 of us in here. The Lord who cares for His church on the mountaintops is the same Lord who cares for His church in the wilderness and in the valley. Brothers and sisters, gather together here. Can we commit together that we are going to pursue love towards one another for the good of the body? Oh, beloved church family, in my three months with you, I have been so encouraged, so encouraged by so much love and kindness that I've just sat back and gotten to see, observe, and flow through this church body. And let's pursue it all the more in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years ahead. Let's do this together. What if we handle different, different growing pains and things like this with joy, uh, knowing that, that the Lord is growing us and caring for us? If the screens are out one Sunday, or if we have a tech snafu, or, or we walk through transitions in children's ministry and things aren't quite working just how we think they should, let's, let's respond with joy and with thankfulness to those who are serving, and not with frustration that things aren't operating quite like we think they should. And what if we all resolve as a church family, as brothers and sisters who are recipients of God's grace, we resolve to have attitudes and hearts that see each other as fellow Jethro's who have received the grace of God, and we resolve to be givers of grace to one another, continually, frequently, often, pointing one another to Christ as we journey through this wilderness together. And beloved, in the refining fires of transitions, let's lift high this faithful God who is testified of to the ends of the earth. Just as was promised in Exodus, His name will be proclaimed to the ends of the earth, and we see it here, and we see it still happening through our church body to this day. And let's, lift, let's worship this God in the wilderness who in His wisdom works through a priest of Midian of all people who just comes and goes from the scene in Exodus 18. And He works through Him for the good of His people and to help bring leadership to the people that they desperately need. 
And let's trust our Lord Jesus Christ who has purchased us by His blood. The One whom we can testify of to our non-believing family and all those around us that we have tasted and that we have seen His great grace. And let's testify of that joyfully as we enter into the holidays and things like that. And church family, let's rest confidently in Christ even in this season because our wilderness journey today is growing us and preparing us for the next season just as He grows and prepares each of us as His followers for seasons upon seasons of seasons of seeing His grace and knowing His care. And church family, let's set our eyes together Not on a Moses who gets worn out and gets tired and can't handle the burden of all of us. But let's set our eyes on the one who is greater than Moses, who reaches out his arms to all of us, to us as his people, as his brothers and sisters, and says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's His grace that we have received. It's His grace that we give as recipients of it. And the wilderness cries out in the midst of all of this, the grace of God and the care for His people is as evident as ever. Let's receive this. Let's be joyful in this as we walk through the wilderness and as we trust in His care. Let's pray together. Lord, You are faithful to Your people. You are faithful in the most unique ways, in the big challenges where there's no food or water, or in the little things where we got worn out leaders and we got leadership crisis and what do we do? And You're in the business of drawing people to Yourself and You're in the business of giving and having grace just flow through the body. And let us take delight in that and let us look for evidences of your grace together as a church family. And let us be reminded of your good care for us and of Christ who is interceding for us even today. And we pray that you would help us to know this. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.